it's Friday and you're back on the Snakes Cast again. With me today once more, we have Margaret and Rebecca. How's it going? Hiya. Hello. And today we're going to finish our conversation talking about nonverbal components in gaming, be it the games themselves don't involve speech or teaching or learning games without speaking. So we've already talked about some games that don't involve speech at all or only involve it from certain people, for example, and also teaching gaming without speaking, both of which mm-hmm. I think are very, very sort of uh, interesting and wide topics. But there are also things that blur those two lines a little bit or that have unusual uh, circumstances that come up. One example that I just thought of literally as I started talking uh, for this introduction was Dixit. Uh, Mm -hmm. which is a game we touched on when we were talking about Mysterium as being kind of a component of Mysterium. You can absolutely play Dixit without language because you can just make sounds or hum tunes or something like that. You don't actually have to say a word to give your clue, Mm -hmm. which I hadn't really thought of. And that's it's kind of an interesting hack for a game if you're trying to uh, make something more... uh, uh, Approachable for somebody who has some sort of sort of verbal challenge. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and I, I think there are there are games out there that have these sort of inherent hacks to make them accessible for somebody who has trouble speaking. Mm-hmm. There's also a variety of drawing games and sort of very simple go-to party games. The Breadsticks, um, huh. Connect Four, the Cat Game. So right. fun. Um, Telestrations. If you all speak the same language, it can be quite easy. Um, or That's you can true. just draw picture to picture to picture. Mm-hmm. Anything where you can sort of edit it to make it work for you. That we have a lot of games that it's like, yeah, technically you're supposed to play it like this. Yeah, but you can modify. It doesn't really matter as long as you're having fun with it. That's the the main thing. So yeah. concept we mentioned before is another one where you can sort of just adjust the rules however you want to play. Do away with the tokens. Mm-hmm. Like, don't keep score. Why bother? Yeah. Um, Uno, I guess that would work. Uno is one. Most of the card games. Um, Go splits. Go splits. Again, a perfect example of something that's really easy to teach non-verbally and doesn't require any. There, like, there's no yeah. language component <laughs> in the game at all. Same with um, Ingenious, which is one of my all-time favorite games. I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, it's it's so fun. Um, I could play this any time of day, no matter what mood I'm in. Essentially, you get a series of different patterns on little tiles, and it is literally just about connecting. Let's say you have a blue star on one tile. Make sure you place it beside another blue star so you can score, because mm. it's how many are attached in a row. Right. And I think teaching it would be so easy, because mm-hmm. the pieces themselves are visual aids, mm-hmm. and that really is the rule, I guess. I think the only thing that yeah. might be tricky with that would be the scoring, just because it's the Reiner Knizia thing of you score six different things and the lowest one is your final score for the game. But I think they do a very good think, job of explaining that in the rule book. Yeah, and mm. I think it's a, it's a concept that would just take a minute, but I, otherwise, it, yeah, this would be an excellent game because it is so visual. Yeah. Um, it's also, it's one of those games that has so many easy things built into it because it's also got really good colorblind indication because every mm-hmm. color is a different shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which actually Ticket to Ride has as well. They, they, the versions of that where they have the little symbol printed on the track and mm. on the corner of the cards and things like that. It's just easier to keep track of, too, yeah. for anybody. Yeah. And accessibility in so many different ways is important. It doesn't mm. just have to be speech. That just happens to be our focus for today. But these games that do everything well yeah. and make it easy to teach, they make it easy to see what's going on, they also make it easy to deal with other circumstances like somebody who is nonverbal for whatever reason. Do you guys think that indigo would be easy to teach someone that might be deaf or nonverbal? Indigo, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's yeah, one that, that comes to my mind. I think that would be a really simple teach because everything can literally be... It's almost You're almost drawing in the way that you move the pieces around the board. Mm. I guess the one element I thought of, though, is explaining the, the value of each of the... Um, I guess, what would you call them? Marble tokens? <laughs> yeah. Well, I th I'm actually, I have a feeling that's actually printed on the back of the player. Oh, well, then that's if I remember. Perfect. So I, th I okay. think, I haven't, honestly, I don't, I don't usually play with them. I, yeah. But I think that's there. So yeah, that it's would be, that would be excellent. A great game for all ages, as far as skill level. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's really enjoyable for families, I find. Now we're referencing a lot of rule book reference um, mm -hmm. in these episodes. And I'm wondering, you mentioned earlier, David, there is a, a resource for finding um, the various language yeah, iterations well, of different rule books. For sure. I mean, some games just come with them. There's a lot of games you can you can pull out the thing and the rule book is, is many, many pages thick, but mm -hmm. actually the rules are only four pages long because it's it's the same rule book ten times in different languages. If that doesn't... Or they, or they do... One of the new things is they do multiple rule books, mm -hmm. uh, which mm -hmm. I find slightly annoying because you can start losing them. But mm -hmm. equally, that way, if you've got one person at the table whose English is a bit wonky but speaks German, for example, I can give them the German rulebook and just point at things to follow along with while I'm explaining the game. Mm -hmm. As someone who uh, goes to Snakes and plays games regularly, uh, I also think it's kind of cool that you, do got, you guys do have a few staff members that speak a variety of languages. I've heard games being taught in French, in Portuguese, I believe German as well. Yeah, I taught um, Sheriff of Nottingham in Spanish once. See, there we um, go. It took a long time, but I got there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, that, that's definitely a helpful element if you have somebody who can speak that language. Just in case it will take a while to get the rulebook in another language. Yeah, although you want to be familiar with the game to do that. If you're somebody who sort of speaks a different language and there's someone at the table who needs that, going into something like Dead of Winter not knowing the game. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like that one would be tricky. <laughs> I knew Sheriff of Nottingham when I taught it, and I think it took me... I, my Spanish is, is a little rusty at this point, mm -hmm. but I think it took me about 35 minutes probably to get through that teach, and I would normally teach it to a table in less than 10. Right. Uh, so it did take a lot longer, and, and that was with me knowing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing is, of course, BoardGameGeek.com, mm -hmm. which yeah. if you are a member of you can often get in and find rule books. Now, a lot of the time, I think they only have the English ones uploaded, but some games have multiple languages. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have one, you can find it, or you can find someone who's very handily translated it. Mm -hmm. um, the, some of that goes on. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are definitely ways of getting around that problem, mm -hmm. which is great, because yeah. it is, mm -hmm. it's such an easy way of, uh, especially if it's only a partial language block, yeah. and you can teach a lot of the game, but just kind of gesture to something to enhance a concept. Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking about language barriers, and one game comes to mind that we haven't talked about yet, mm -hmm. which is Deception, Murder in Hong Kong. Yes. Right, which is, is, in many ways, is a combination of games we have talked about, in the sense that it is largely uh, Mysterium meets Concept. Mm -hmm. But yeah, tell us about this, Margaret, because you, you also had a really interesting point about this game that I want to look at. Yeah, um, so this game is, again, largely nonverbal. Um, the only things you need to read are um, the sort of hint cards given to you by the coroner, who is not allowed to speak, um, whereas everyone else is allowed to sort of speak amongst themselves while they're deciding which of them is the murderer. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing about this game is that the cards include Chinese symbols, mm -hmm. which, as a person who's not familiar with Chinese or Mandarin, I would sort of assume, unfortunately, that it's just a gimmick. Yes. Since it's murder in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. But they are, in fact, completely accurate. 
Which is awesome. Which is awesome. Um, I don't know if one of our gurus had the opportunity to teach this game in Cantonese to a family, Mm -hmm. but my partner and his family are Cantonese, and so we always keep that as a thing to bring to family gatherings because the grandfather of the family doesn't speak any English, and if we wanted to include him in the game... It would be really easy to do because he could just read the characters. Which is awesome. And everyone can switch back and forth between English and Cantonese. Um, So that's... I don't know if we have many other games that do that. Yeah, I appreciate the element of like keeping something accurate, especially if you're going with a very straightforward theme like it is murder in Hong Kong, guys. Yeah, it's it's not just oh let's throw some you know Chinesey looking characters on there to be just awful. Um, Yeah, it's it's fully functional. And there can be, I guess, loose translations with characters mm-hmm. sometimes, but these are very specific, I've been told. Mm-hmm. So they are completely, like, dead-on accurate. I also just find visually all of the cards are so clear. Like, not one card is remotely like another. And so just mm-hmm. when you are putting forth who you are accusing, it makes it very easy and simple as well. Yeah. E- even just for people that might come to the cafe that uh, are speaking English as a second language as well. Yeah. It is. It's a good general second language game. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and ju- again, just on the off chance someone doesn't know what we're going at here. Obviously, we've talked about concept and mysterium, but the way that this blends together is one person at the table is this forensic scientist. They can't talk like the ghost in mysterium, uh, and they know who the murderer is. It's one of the people at the table. And there may be an accomplice, depending on how many people there are. And they know the identity of these people. They know what the weapon was that was used and they know the clue that was left behind which is Mm -hmm. all the information that the players need to find to win the game Mm -hmm. and it's all associated with one person and everybody else is trying to work this out based on clues that is given that are given to them by the forensic scientist who concepts these clues they get these boards that have six things on them and they put a little uh, bullet token on the one they want to draw attention to Mm -hmm. and they do that for six boards and then everyone starts guessing essentially but the nice thing with these cards is the ones that are in front of the players also have these images which are what we're relating to now they do say in the manual that those images are only meant to be representative and they are not supposed to be literal so Mm. you could find you know if somebody if there's a picture of a poison bottle it doesn't necessarily have to be a poison bottle it could be you know too much botox or uh, Mm -hmm. a powder or something like that but they make a stunning visual aid for Absolutely. putting together because essentially this is it's geared towards being a storytelling game in some ways you mm-hmm. try and come up with a good logical rationale for why something is that even if it's not a logical connection you have to justify your answer for yeah. sure yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i think that those images certainly would help if there is uh, an english as a second language scenario a nonverbal scenario whatever it would happen to be mm-hmm. uh, because you can get those points across mm-hmm. uh another one that i don't think we've talked about yet for sale or no thanks that's true we haven't mm. touched on those what and if you want about a really simple game to teach someone either of these i think would be good mm-hmm. um margaret have you played either um i have not played for sale i have played no thanks um it's been a while but as i recall it yeah, it's, it has that sort of simple, elegant element to it um, mm-hmm. that lends itself very well to to simple and clear teaching. For sure. Yeah. Um, and also just quick pickup. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think quick pickup's also a thing because you want satisfaction 
that you're you're actually getting something when you're sitting at the table and i think that would be a good way of delivering that yeah you want people to have the satisfaction of being able to play the game rather than the satisfaction of oh i figured out how to play this mhm that can be frustrating based sometimes. on based on this person who you know is trying to accommodate me yeah um we don't want the victory to be yay we understand it we want the victory to be hey we're having a great time with this game thank you so much for recommending it mm-hmm. yeah for which sure. is the whole point of us being there so if if the only success is is understanding rather than enjoying mm-hmm. you know then it's it's yeah. we haven't fully you want to do better than that yeah yeah absolutely so no thanks just to give the quick rundown of these no thanks is a very simple game where you just have cards from one to i can't remember what i want to say something like 39 and you're trying to score as low as possible. And if you take the three card, it's worth three points. Uh, you can choose to, when a card, you, you draw the card and you can choose to take it or not. And if you take it, you get that many points. And if you don't take it, you put a token on it. And then it's the next person's decision. And that goes around the table until someone chooses to take it or someone doesn't have tokens, in which case they're forced to. But you then get all the tokens that were on that card. So it might be worth taking. If you get a run, if I get three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, only the nine scores. Mm-hmm. All those other... So if I pick up the nine and then the eight comes out, I want to take it because it's not going to give me any more points. Right. And that's basically the whole game. You go through till the deck runs out and whoever has the fewest points wins that game. Mm-hmm. The trick with that one being a few cards are taken out at the beginning. So mm-hmm. you may take that 36 mm-hmm. and right. go, well, that's fine. I'll take the 30. I've got the 34. I'll take the 35. 35 isn't in the game. <laughs> you just scored yourself 70 points. <laughs> uh, by contrast, For Sale is a very quick auction game. You start with coins and you buy property, uh, which is worth a certain amount and it's bidding. So you just try and bid for the best properties you can get. Okay. And then in the second round, you take those properties and you sell them for more money and it's a blind bid. Mm. So you just put down the, the the four the four money cards come out you put down or however many it is you put down your uh, property that you're willing to bid on mm-hmm. and the person who puts down the most expensive one gets the most money the next most expensive gets the next and so on down the line and when you've sold all the properties whoever has the most money wins nice. that's the entire game it's stupidly simple you go through two decks of cards and you're done mm. one last one that i thought of was sure. uh which i'm sure you all will agree on uh, cottage garden I think that would be interesting to teach to someone who might be deaf or nonverbal because I don't think you actually need to use a whole lot of language because there is so much visual aid. But at the same time, it's a little bit overstimulating for me personally. I'm wondering if we're running aground on the same uh, sort of survive issue of it it being a little too complicated at various points in the game. Yeah. It's one thing if it's a little complex to explain in the beginning, but then Mm -hmm. once people get it, they can just enjoy Continue. playing it. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot that happens in the middle of Cottage Garden at various stages right. in play that would be... I guess, yeah, like the scoring up on your actual boards. It and, would be frustrating yeah. as a person trying to play it to keep having to get someone to help. I think what that yeah. would be, you could do it. And I think it would be good for someone who's very familiar with patchwork because there's an element that you just wouldn't have to bother teaching. Mm-hmm. But I think you would have to sit there for the first person's board scoring, the first per- yep. the first time a row got refilled on the board, things like that. There are certain milestones that would have to be passed. And they all happen relatively early in the game, but I think you'd probably have to sit for a few rounds just to clarify those points in the moment. If they had patchwork as a precursor, though, I think if you had the time at the cafe, depending on how busy it is, um, it's a possibility. For sure. I, I think it's maybe a little more possible than, than Survivor, but it's true. I didn't think about 
all the details that are required for scoring up when you uh, flip the mm. uh, the garden board yeah. and also that you're changing direction every time I know the minute someone forgets to do that once, things get really complicated. Yeah. yeah. I think it's one of those things that it's a good thing if you have somebody come in who wants to elevate beyond... Patchwork. Patchwork. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of the games that we've... We've talked about a few heavy ones, like Deception, uh, but a lot of what we're talking about here is on the more basic end of the gaming mm-hmm. spectrum. And so for somebody who wants to go for something a little more complicated, then this is actually a potentially a very good move up in the same way that King Domino to Queen Domino is. Yeah, if you have that basic yeah. point, going shifting up a level, level. Yeah. yeah, you take a lot of that knowledge. And you know, if you know Clue and you know Dixit, you can play Mysterium. If you know Mysterium and you know Concept, you can play Deception. Mm-hmm. There are kind of level ups that you can do. Yeah. And I think that's the, especially if you've got somebody in your game group who is want, it, it, you know, has just joined and is wanting to get into the hobby. Thinking about it in terms of evolution of where you take them with games is probably a very, very important component of making sure A, they have a really good time, but B, they can get into some of the meatier stuff that's going on around them. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they'll have the basic tools already, so it won't feel frustrating. Just mm-hmm. so. Just so. Anyway, with that, that's about all the time that we've got for this week. Uh, thank you very much to Margaret and Rebecca for coming on and talking about this. I think it's a it's a very important topic and something that, as I said before, people will run into in the course of their time in this hobby. Uh, so thank you for shedding some light onto it. Thanks You're for welcome. having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. You can get in touch with us at podcast at snakesandlattes.com to say hi, or if you'd like to discuss or ask questions about any of the things that we've been talking about on the podcast. The Snakescast is produced by Dax Audio, and music is provided by Ben Sound. Tune in next week when we are going to be discussing trick-taking games, and this time we really will. The opinions expressed on the Snakescast are those of the presenters and guests, and nobody else's. See you next week! Thank you.